sacrifices. You've got to make sacrifices for your team. To answer your question. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's guest is one of the best grapplers in the world, Nogi World Champion, ADCC medalist, Wales' own Fionn Davis. We had a great chat about how her career developed from her early days training in Wales, to how she then took her career to the next level, moving to Ireland to train full-time and winning some of the biggest tournaments in the sport. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe and follow to avoid missing any future episodes. I hope you enjoyed the chat. So here we go with Fionn Davis. Hi Fionn, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. First time I remember meeting you, it was at ADCC Trials when you won and I didn't really know who you were. You were Dara's student at the time and you were very emotional. It was obviously a big achievement. It's funny in just a few years after that, you've achieved so much. So is it kind of weird looking back and seeing how far you've come in those last few years. If winning the trials was that emotional, I can only imagine what it's like to look back on all the great things you've done since then. I'm such a baby. Like, I'll win one fight and be like, ah! <laughs> I'm like always so shocked if I do remotely well. So I kind of went into it with the mindset of, it'll be a bit of fun. Like, I'd love to win, dream, but probably not going to, because I was a pibble belt at the time. So I was so happy. Like, I was so excited. And does the surprise then and the emotion kind of come from surprising yourself then yeah because i'm such a nervous wreck that i'm like i'm gonna just freeze and curl into a ball and just die on the mat like so i'm always so freaked out i'm way better with that now but especially then i was like such high emotions like up and down especially if i lost i'd be an absolute wreck after if i won i'd be a wreck after um a lot more controlled now but as we saw at adcc i had a bit of a emotional outbreak so they're common they're very common i think that's understandable though and like you're obviously playing sports for probably most of your life like were you playing much sports when you were back in wales as a kid i've always liked the male dominated sports for whatever reason i don't know why like i loved rugby i did that i wanted to be rocky i used to love the rocky film so i tried to go to boxing was rejected and i did judo like that was my main thing and i was absolutely i remember going to ballet class and then i go to judo after and i remember just being like i don't want to go to ballet anymore ma'am and then she was like all right <laughs> and i just go to judo and got stuck into that so i've always been into the boy sports i suppose and were your parents kind of pushing you in that direction or how did they kind of influence you when you were a kid playing sports my dad has been like coached rugby with my brother he like coached my brother's year group so he loves rugby and then my mother actually did judo as well so she absolutely loves judo she loves mma and jiu-jitsu as well she's like a massive fan she doesn't train jiu-jitsu but she um obsessively watches joe rogan which is pretty unique from what i've heard from other people's parents but um yeah she's so into it so she'll like tell me about jiu-jitsu she knows who you are She's like, yeah, yeah, you, 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 they were Tommy when I was out in Spain. I was like, how the hell do you like, how do you know these people? They're very, very supportive. My mom, I'll show her a video of one of my competition performances and I'll have someone in a fully locked triangle and she'll be like, oh God, your neck, are you okay? And I'm like, mom, <laughs> yeah. the, other, the other guy just quit because he didn't want to get choked unconscious. She's like, all right, brilliant. <laughs> and then getting into judo, was that the first sport that you kind of felt you excelled in? Oh, 100%. Like I've always been pretty... I was quite bad at school. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't that bad. And I'm like, mm, I wasn't the best in school. Um, like I would try. I just didn't know what was going on half the time, I'll be honest. Judo was where I sort of shined. And that's where I got a lot of my confidence from. I was very shy, like chronically shy when I was young. Like I could not speak. 
I was yes or no, like yes or no questions only. That was it. That's all you get out of me. But in, in judo, I just felt really confident. So that was always like consistent throughout my childhood. And were you talented at it? Like where did the confidence from judo come? Was it feeling good at something or feeling welcome? Yeah, like especially when I was like a kid, like small, like from eight to 14. That's where I did pretty well. I would win quite often. Like I think that can also be not so much of a good thing for kids because it was kind of like I would win and then when I started to lose because obviously people were improving because they were working on things I was like so confused because I was like no I'm I'm naturally good at this why is this not why am I not getting better but they're improving I didn't understand that it's not just about showing up to a session it's about actually focusing what you're doing and because I'd always been like natural at it I'd always been very physical I was always complimented for being strong so now these girls are starting to get more technical than me and like that wasn't really the focus in the team it was like, oh, let's get real technical. It was like, let's go do weights. <laughs> I just was so confused by that. And that was kind of like not drove me out of the sport, but was one of the little aspects. And then when I started jujitsu, I realized that, oh, like when you're really into something, you'll study it, you'll watch it all day. And that's how you make improvements. But it was just never like that for me with judo. And were you very competitive at the time when you were doing it as well, even as a young kid? Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm so competitive. It's like a blessing and a curse. What would be some of the positive things you feel and then some of the negative things? Because I know myself, there's definitely a balance. Like there's a time and a place for a good old tantrum, but sometimes it gets too much, you know? Oh, 100%. It's like, I think the best things about it is it'll give you a drive. It'll push you to like, I do not want to lose because it hurts me so much. Like it hurt my feelings so much, which is like obviously very egotistical. And I know people say, oh, in jiu-jitsu, there's no ego. It's like, there is so much ego and that's okay in some ways. Um, I think it's just not letting, like the negative aspects would be obviously if you are so competitive that you won't even roll with certain people who are going to challenge you, that's obviously not good. Now I've never felt like that. Like I would not, because I've always just wanted, no, I want to beat that person who keeps beating me up, even if it's ridiculous. Even if it's like some 90 kilo lad in the gym who I'm never going to be. I'm like, I will. <laughs> Today's the day. <laughs> so like things like that are, are positive. Or like if you're lashing out at training partners or making them uncomfortable, like, you know, like me getting upset in a role makes my partner uncomfortable. And that's something I'm still working hard to overcome because I am really competitive. But it's not it's not being a nice person at the end of the day. If I'm just uh, like, I would. And it's never about them. It's about me, my insecurities, my own ego. But again, it's just a work in progress. And it's definitely a hard thing to find a balance for. But I'd say as a teenager, especially, it can be kind of hard because I know with my own, let's say, competitiveness as a teenager, it might come out in frustration with myself that I'm not doing as well as I expect. And also frustration then and just over competitiveness with other people. And sometimes kids don't really like that. You know, they kind of like when you're getting on with the team and if you're trying too hard, you know, that can bounce back on you. But And so is there any times then when the competitiveness would kind of get you in trouble? Like, would you ever be feel like maybe you picked up a couple of injuries or something or rolled with someone that you shouldn't have like not saying no to rolls i'm again like now i'm i'm just i was like no i'm all right like i'll just say no that i would not say no for so long to like anyone if i was injured it's pointless it's not good for them it's it's not good for me but i can't think of any sort of occasions where it's been really bad i think it's kind of like a situation i can think of is someone will come at me aggressive and instead of me being like, you know what, I'm going to be conservative in this role because this person's really aggressive. If I rise to it, I'm going to get hurt, Dreen. And I rise to it. 
I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Do you know, okay, challenge accepted, man. Like I will come at you like a jungle cat. And then I get hurt because I'm just not able to keep up with that pace. But then in competition, I'd say some of the people you're competing against probably aren't used to that intensity and then it can be a huge advantage. So there's definitely pros and cons to it. Like, And coming from Wales as well, it's obviously a very sporty place. When did the dream of being a professional athlete who gets to travel and compete a lot, when did that start to kind of form in your head? I think I'd always wanted to be a professional athlete um, with a few bouts of randomly wanting to do things like be an actress or I want to be a singer, even though I can't sing, Um, just like every child probably. But I really wanted to be an athlete just kind of in anything. (laughs) So in judo, I was like, I want to go to the Olympics. And then obviously when it was getting very clear that that I was not going to be an Olympian, you have to be good at things to be an Olympian. (laughs) When I quit judo, I was really lost. And I found like, there was a guy in my school called Brett Johns. You actually fought him. What am I on about? You fought him and and he hooked him. Um, He's a really lovely guy. And he's actually, he was in the UFC. He's gone to Bellator now. And he was in my school and he was in my brother's year group. And literally we all live in Swansea. Like everyone who does jujitsu from Wales, not everyone, but like for the most part from from or around Swansea, which is, I don't know what it is about Swansea. (laughs) So he was doing MMA and I was like, well, I want to do that. That looks really fun. And then Ronda Rousey was really big at the time and she did judo. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll go do MMA. And so I joined and they were all training like twice a day, sometimes three times a day. And I was like, I want to do that. I love training. Like, this isn't hard to do. It's so easy to turn up and train. Dream, like, this is such a fun thing to do. Like, especially to the jujitsu. I was like, it's so fun that I don't, I never, like, even with judo, I felt like oh, I've got to force myself to go, even though I did enjoy it when I was there. Never feel like that with jujitsu. Like, sometimes I'm just so wrecked that I'm like, all right, I should rest. Dream. But it was more of an issue of like not going, especially at the start. Like I just go to all the sessions, which were like, I'd be like a bag of poo by the end of it because I couldn't do any of them of any gusto, but <laughs> I'd be there. Um, and so I just wanted to, I just ended up quitting college. I just dropped out because it clashed with a class. Um, so I was like, well, I want to go to jujitsu. So, and then that just kept happening until I wasn't going anymore. And I got a job to fit around it. Um, so I could find financially be able to do that and just molded my whole life around it and just made it work because I didn't want to go to university. I didn't want to do anything else. So. And were you thinking of doing MMA at the time or was it just jiu-jitsu that you initially had your mind set on? I was really considering MMA. Like I'd, I had three amateur fights and a pro fight, which is really funny because... <laughs> I have no striking and I was like barely a blue belt like I I got a blue belt but it was because of judo like the judo background and I wanted to compete in jiu-jitsu so they're like well you have to be a blue belt to compete so it was like well suppose you're a blue belt even though technically um I just had to grab people's heads and just wrestle them (laughs) and then just hold them like confused yeah like I was gonna do MMA and but then I got really sucked into the jiu-jitsu part and I was like I need to have like strength here because I have no strengths <laughs> in MMA. Jiu-jitsu was the thing that was like, this is judo, only I can do everything. Like I can sit down if I want. I can stay standing, I can pull them on their feet really if I wanted to. You can just do whatever you want. Whereas judo had all these rules. So it was an easy transition to just be like, yeah. Once you got into jiu-jitsu then almost at a full-time level, you were winning a lot of competitions. I remember, I don't know if it was you or someone else telling me that you went a few years without losing any single match. Was there ever any pressures that came with knowing that you were pretty talented in the sport from day one? 
I hope I didn't say that, dude. That's so stupid. <laughs> I think I heard it from someone else. My God. And like, yeah, like, I just go around, you know, actually, I didn't lose a fight at Blue Belt. <laughs> but like, no, I didn't actually. Yeah, the Blue Belt champ. Um, I didn't lose a fight at Blue Belt, which is like, that's not really a flex, I suppose. So I went, when I got to Purple Belt was when I started to lose because the girls were just way more technical. So I couldn't get away with just being Theon the physical that's my new nickname <laughs> so I had to get my losses and that was really good for me because I needed it I needed to just realize I need to work on guard heavily really need to improve my guard but again it, it wasn't hard to like obviously it was difficult as in like physically and mentally difficult but in a way it was like because I just loved it so much it was like oh I have to work at this that's I have no issue like whereas if he's like go study for this exam like a math exam I'd be like I don't want to like I'll stare at the ceiling I'll stare at the wall I'll do anything but do that with jiu-jitsu I'm like I'll watch jiu-jitsu all day during study it and chat about it for ages and did you always have the confidence that you could be a black belt because I know when I started off when I was a white belt I thought I would never be a blue belt I thought the blue belts were magic do you know and it's funny because looking back the blue belts of like 10 years ago they probably weren't great at all you know <laughs> to me they were absolute magic they were ninjas and i would never be a blue belt you know so i couldn't imagine myself thinking back then oh i'd love to be like black belt world champion how did you manage the goals i guess so you didn't shoot too high too soon i just never thought like i want to be black belt world champion i never thought that until i was brown belt and i won worlds and i was like this is gonna happen like that could actually happen I never thought about it that way. And I think, whereas like, I feel some people just want to win the accomplishments. I just want to get to those goals where it was like, it wasn't so much about the belts. I've always thought like black belts really far away. When it happens, it happens. I'm just like kind of thinking more about how I'm improving in general. And if I'm improving all the time, then I might hit that target. But I just enjoy this sport so much that it's not even really about that. And not even now I'm kind of like, like I was like, I wanted to win worlds and I got silver twice at purple. And I lost the same way, <laughs> which is hilarious. I was like, did I learn nothing? And actually the second year was like, every fight was so hard. I was like, oh my God, I've gotten worse. And obviously like, that's great. Like silver at Worlds is great. I'm not saying anything, but I was kind of just like, I shouldn't be so wrapped up in the, in the result of winning. It's like, I've learned a lot from both these experiences and that's what pushed me on to be able to have success later. Um, rather than I don't have, you don't have to win every belt dream just like keep improving and yeah i think i've never really been that obsessed with the belts i've only cared about the belts because it meant that i could fight better people so like i wanted my black belt so that i could fight the top girls um and get experience with them because i knew that i wasn't going to be winning all the time straight away i knew that that was unrealistic i was just like i just need to fight them over and over again so that i'm used to used to them i'm not i'm not scared of them anymore because i knew technically i was able to mix around you know <laughs> hopefully well that seems like a nicer way to do it a lot of the people that i see that get discouraged let's say it's because they just set too high a goal too soon and i'm seeing it a lot more frequently the last few years i don't know if it's because of the internet or because of something but i see blue and purple belts that have a lot of talent but they just have way too high goals and then they do get discouraged and they lose consistency then they lose kind of belief in themselves instead of just doing it for the value of the skill of being a good grappler i think yeah, 100%. I know what you mean. I've seen that a lot, like, sort of online. And I think it's because you see so many people who are like, oh, they just, they post up, like, they've won every tournament. But when you look deeper into that, if you ever do any, <laughs> any online stalking, you realize they, they actually don't win gold all the time. They just don't post when they win anything other than gold, which is that person's choice. And that's fair enough. But, like, reality is, like, you can't win all the time. No one just, like 
pops out of the blue and just starts winning everything. Um, and you don't want that either because you will have a hard time losing. So get your losses in early because otherwise you're going to have a really rough time when you start to lose. And you mentioned as well coming through the ranks and having to work odd jobs. What kind of jobs were you doing to support yourself while you were waiting to kind of become a pro, let's say, in jiu-jitsu? I began in a pub. Um, nice. <laughs> so I used to pull pints for old men. So that was my first um, great times. <laughs> then I worked as a receptionist in a gym, which was convenient because the gym I trained at was literally upstairs. Um, so I could finish a shift and go to train. And then my personal favorite was uh, as a bouncer in nightclubs, which um, I have great stories from. So <laughs> and that's all that, that experience has given me is some fun stories, I suppose. Did your takedown game come in handy when you were working as a bouncer? Honestly, I just really appreciated how much jujitsu is so helpful. Like everyone would always be like, oh, did you throw them? And I was like, you can't throw people, you will hurt them. Like you can like use little trips to take them down, but you have to try and control the takedown. You can't just go around like Ippon Senagi and people onto the ground. <laughs> you will kill people. Yeah. And, like, and I chat to lads there and like most of them were MMA guys. So that was so good because they could, they could help you. They knew, they knew how to control people, but then you'd get like the odd time where like someone would just come and fill in someone's space. Um, and he'd be like, I'm a boxer. I'm like, so you're going to punch people. That's not even le like you're not allowed to do. <laughs> I'd say jiu-jitsu would be perfect for because I always think like police, let's say, or people who are going to be very hands on trying to control other people, even just have the awareness of your own strength. Yeah, you can feel the resistance that someone else has given and you know how to dial it up and down yourself, you know, because a lot of the times when people get hurt in situations like that, it's just one person giving too much force to control someone a lot of the time. When you watch it, it's, it's so embarrassing, like, and you're like, just train for like literally a year or two years and you will understand that you are just putting way too much force into that. Or why does it take so many of you to control one like drunk person? Like that doesn't make sense. And how long did you do the bouncing for? Only a year, but it felt like a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> the nights dragged i remember just drinking so much red bull and then trying to train the next day like what was i doing did the night shift affect your training at all because i know if i'm not getting the best sleep i'm not as good on the mats you know now as a person who gets like consistent nine hours how did i function i have no idea how i functioned i'd literally try because like, it was um it was a club that was open till 6 a.m as well it was that club you know like the the really dingy type I'd like walk home, get home about seven or like 20 to seven. Then there'd be a class at 11 and I'd teach that. And then it was a class after that that like I would train in and I just wouldn't function. But then I only did like Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Um, and then I do like maybe one midweek. So it wasn't too bad. And it's just enough money to sort of get by. But how was I training? It had to have been just my age. Like that was it. And, and Red Bull. If they ever want to sponsor me. like Thanks, Red Bull. Thank you, Red Bull. If you weren't ended up as a professional jiu-jitsu athlete, what kind of career do you think you would have had? You wouldn't be the head bouncer for a club in Ibiza or anything. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I wouldn't have the skills. Or like if I hadn't trained jiu-jitsu or if I maybe just didn't go profession professional. I guess maybe if you got sick of it, I always wonder what people's plan B might have been coming up through the ranks. Or did you just completely burn the bridges? And that's coming from someone who who burned the bridges, you know. I set fire to the bridges, the building, everything I set fire to. <laughs> Especially when I moved to Ireland, I literally just went and just <laughs> had no backup plan, which is so dumb. And I can't really envision, like, I think maybe if I had never trained jiu-jitsu, I'd have maybe gone to uni, settled down with someone boring. 
hated them silently, popped out for some children, which is fine if you want to do that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying dream. Like I'm just saying for me, I probably would have been that and just been like, go. Like I think I would have opened, just opened a gym, which was like for me now is like my, it's always my plan B. I mean, I, I do want to eventually open a gym, but I'm, if I'm like, if I'm getting sick of competing, I'm going to teach jiu-jitsu because I absolutely love teaching. Um, I love coaching. So I feel like my plan B is like a plan A. Dream, like it's still amazing. Like I'd be so happy with that. You mentioned going over to Dara's. I was wondering what changed when you went over there because your career kind of exploded when you got over there. I was wondering, was there any new training methods or mentality or what changed when you got over there that made you improve so much? So there was a lot of factors and it's way easier to like reflect on it now because it's been like three years almost, almost three years. Whereas like at the time I was like, oh, this is more training, but there were so many other things. There was like I didn't have a job, so like I quit bouncing. Obviously, I so I, I quit my job. I quit my relationship at the time. I just went all in. I was like, well, I was at World Pro, and I, you were there too. And I got silver, and I lost a referee decision to Bianca Basilio, and it was a really. I was just shocked at how close the fight was because obviously she's very accomplished. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I, that gave me so much confidence to know that like referee decision like that. That's so close, Dreen. Um, and to get silver, I was just so happy with that. And I also won prize money and I got like quite a big chunk of money off that. More than <laughs> I was ever used to. I never had money. So I was there with this money and I was like, I could go and just make the most. Like I could go out there. I could go to Ireland. I could just train for as long as I can until the money runs out. And then I also wanted to try and do seminars, but I was like, oh, I'm too you know, I'm too crap to do seminars and whatever. <laughs> and like, also I was very like, very, oh, but like people don't have girls in to do seminars unless they're Mackenzie Dern, Dreen. Uh, so I kind of thought that, which is just completely not true. Nobody gives a shit, Dreen. <laughs> like there's very few people who actually care about that, but I was very concerned with that. So I was putting up my own barrier in the way there. And then, so after Will Pro, I went to Worlds of Dyer and the team. And like, I'd gone to a lot of the major tournaments and I used to go to them alone. And then once uh, the gym I was at was affiliated with Dara, I'd go to tournaments and then suddenly I had a coach and it was so good. Like at first I was kind of like uncomfortable with it because I, I liked being on my own and I liked that no one saw and that I could just sort of, you know, if I lost, no one's going to see. So it's fine. Did it take the pressure off or something? Yeah, I, I, it's just so stupid. Like don't have that mindset. But I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to see. But reality is if you want to be the top level you want people to watch your matches so you got to get used to it <laughs> and then but then it started to turn into oh I love having a coach I love having this team who was so happy for me when I won like I won worlds that year uh, at brown belt and they were so happy for me but I didn't really know them that well but they were just still so genuinely just so chuffed like they were just like oh yeah she's sick like this girl like you know comes and trains sometimes like she did so well and like and then Dara was lovely and just like having that team around me and it's this positive group and it's not to say that they weren't positive in Cardiff but I like my relationship at the time was like I felt like I was being pulled away from competitions or like and and, and training and and I didn't want that for myself so I was like I'm just gonna go for it so having like-minded people around is one of the things that I notice helps me the most when you have other people that are have similar goals or the same kind of ideas about wanting to improve every day then it's very yeah. easy to show up and keep your head straight, you know, because I know inconsistency is probably the biggest thing that hurts anyone's jiu-jitsu career from what I've seen. And if your mind isn't consistent about trying to get better every day, 
it really helps to have people around you to kind of keep you on track. So that's probably one of the things that was there. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but... 100%. Like, they were all doing the things that I wanted to do. And when I moved there, they would go to competitions almost every weekend. Like, they were always competing at least once a month. And I was, like, not used to that at all. So I started competing all the time. And everyone was like, yeah, you got to practice competing. And I was like, oh, like, it's not just some terrifying thing that comes up once or twice a year, like... So I just started competing as much as I could and I just got used to being nervous. And now I feel like I'm really comfortable being nervous. Like, I don't know when people are like, oh, I don't get nervous. It's like, no, I do get really nervous, but I'm just very comfortable with it now because I'm so used to that. And I'm like, no, like this is normal and it feels normal. How did you get control over that? Because that's something that a lot of people have trouble with. I kind of flipped it into being... Now I see com- competing as a performance. <laughs> this sounds really stupid. But I'm always like, I'm I'm like, I'm not going to win. Like I am trying to win, obviously. Um, but I'm gonna go and just put on a show. I'm just gonna make this really exciting. Look to people who I really admire, like uh Leandra Lowe, Marigali, people who uh, like uh Tommy Langacker, people like that who would go out and they just be like, they're just a vibe. They're just everyone's like, oh, like they're so excited to see them. So I was like, I just wanna be like that. Um so I would like kind of pretend I was like one of them those people and I was like I'm not just me like Fionn who's just this lump who's just like oh (laughs) really nervous I'd like just be like yeah like I'm the shit (laughs) Uh, and if I lose I'm like well it doesn't matter during like I'm gonna go out again and like I keep you know because like people don't really give a shit if you're winning you'd win worlds and you could have just been so boring and nobody cares but if you're exciting people remember um so like that was my focus then and then I just started it just started to turn that I loved competing because it turned from being something I dreaded to oh this is really fun because it is fun to just go ham and like I don't know like think of it as a performance and it, it felt really good and I'm just always like I, I'd be working on new things for a while and then I try and like see if I could do them in a competition and I'm like oh that's so that's such a fun little thing to try and do see if I can hit those moves in competition and that's really interesting though because I'm always interested in hearing how people reframe the nervousness in competition because no one can get rid of it you know but the best people seem like they can change it into something else like being excited or trying to put on a performance or something along those lines is there any other big lessons you learned from competing a lot because you're probably one of the most active competitors from the uk at least in the last few years always doing the big tournaments always having a good performance so what kind of lessons have you learned from all that competing if you want to get used to competing competing often is the only way I remember actually Ross Nichols saying to me years ago that he was just going to do a competition every weekend. And I was like, oh, that's mad. But then now I realized he was just trying to get comfortable with his nerves. That's what I tried to do straight away. I realized I had like a very lacking amount of competitions that were under my belt and that I was building them up to be such a big thing when then just not. Like it's literally you're like you're rolling in the gym, but now there's, I don't know, you've paid a hundred quid. <laughs> unfortunately only now you're poor dream like (laughs) (laughs) and you might get a medal at the end um so like it's just not that big a deal even worlds isn't that big a deal dream nobody remembers who even won (laughs) everyone just says it's boring anyway um and then other thing i just like i love that you go away with your mates and you just have like these great memories like those are the I, i know they're not lessons but like that's the experience that i love the most is just that's the stuff I really remember like kind of focusing on the positive things yeah definitely and like losing is really good for you right like it's it's really it's oh my god like so painful like the amount of times I've had like and I again I could take losses to heart so much I just remember like such shit memories are just well but they're not shit Dorina I'm like 
it's nice to know I, how much I care and just remember how they felt like I just got dumped, Dreen. Like literally it felt like <laughs> I've been abandoned at the altar of my wedding. Like that's what it felt like to lose, like at ADCC. But it was kind of, I look back and I'm like, you know, it's nice how much I cared about that. Um, and I can reflect on it and be like, it's fine because it's going to be, you know, in this like storyline <laughs> in my head that I've made up. <laughs> it's like, it's fine because, you know, no, who, it's so boring. Like who's the most boring superhero? Is like Superman. I hate Superman. He's so shit. He never loses. Like he never loses. <laughs> but who do you like love? Like all the ones who get beaten. Like Spider Man. Like mm, you know, Spider Man. Everyone loves Spider Man. Dream because he loses, and that's what makes it interesting. Dream winning all the time. And it's not boring. only losing. He also has thoughts of do I even want to be a superhero? You know, it has the exactly. sacrifice on that side. I'm a big yeah. Spider Man fan. I must With say. With great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> To go on from that to winning your first Nogi World Championship at the Black Belt Division, was that a big moment for you? And did anything change after that? Or was it just business as usual afterwards? Uh, yeah, that was huge for me because it just confirmed that everything I had given up in the summer was worth it. I was like 100% like, not that I was ever like, oh, I regret it, but um, I was kind of like, I had to get a seminar each month. Otherwise, I couldn't afford to live in Dublin now. I was very fortunate that Dara let me stay in his house. Then he let me stay in his mother's house. <laughs> Shout out to Belinda. <laughs> um, like for free. So like I was so lucky that I had people who were looking out for me, who were helping me. Um, but as in like to get money for food, I had to make sure I had a seminar every month. Otherwise I was screwed and I had to move home. Um, so the pressure was on. So I didn't like, I don't go asking as well. So I was just like, I'm in this area if anyone wants a seminar. And like, if you post that you've done a seminar, sometimes you get people ask, like, if you want to do one. That was helpful. And then, yeah, like, so when I won Nogi Worlds, it was like, oh, thank God. And then it, it's that thing of like, when you win a title, you can bump your price up. And that just meant I was going to be more financially stable. And like, when you win something, people are more likely to ask you for seminars again. So, and I remember like, with like sponsorships and things like that, like those things were improving my situation too then. Um, so it was like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to win something big like that as well and almost pay back the people that have put so much faith in you. And so then moving on to ADCC in 2019, probably had one of the most memorable performances of the whole tournament, submitting Be a Mosquito in the semi-final. The most dramatic match I saw the day. The crowd was going absolutely ballistic. Dara was losing his mind in the corner. You were losing your mind after the match. It was an ama <laughs> amazing performance, amazing submission that just came it didn't come out of nowhere but one second you were passing your guard on top and the next second you had her in a triangle and her arm was pointing the wrong way <laughs> yeah. i want to know what was going through your mind as you were doing that because there must have been a lot of chaos going on in there i think that's why it has such a big reaction was that when it was happening it just felt like i was in, in the gym and i was like oh yeah got my knee cut nice during like whenever i get to that sitting position i'm like yeah i'm gonna pass cool um, I wasn't thinking this is be a mosquito's guard and passing here. Like I was just like, oh nice, got a pass. Oh, you know, got the triangle. Oh, I like this. I like this uh, position, like the reverse triangle. So I was like, nice. And then I was like bending her arm and it went soft. And I was like, well, it's soft. This, you know, like straight arm bar way. After that, then after the high high of submitting be a mosquito, and then maybe the final didn't go your way. What was it like after the tournament? Was it overall disappointment or? Were you okay with it? Or what was kind of going through your mind as you were giving yourself the debrief afterwards? Afterwards, I was really, really disappointed because I was just like, how did I get so close to having the biggest win of my career? And I just absolutely messed it up. Dream, like obviously 
I got submitted dream. So it's not like I, I messed it up. Obviously, she did great things to submit me. Oh, is this a just huge, stupid thing to be playing leg locks with someone who I know is good at leg locks? And I was just in that, just in the wrong mindset in the final. And I think I was, I was like, oh, you know, I've got to ride out the time until it, it counts points. Whereas I should have just, like I did with Bia, I just I wasn't thinking about that. I was, I was just going for it because, and like I should have done the same with Bianca. But again, like, that's just how it is. And I was just so disappointed that I, I hated that I soured the day. And I just wish that like, because I got in my head that like, I'm going to win. Doreen, whereas I should have been like, this is step by step, like I've been doing with everything else. Doreen, because I, like, I would have been so thrilled with that two years before. It's like you were saying earlier as well, losing is so hard, but as well, you can learn from it a lot. Yeah. Like. And I mean, everyone remembers the submission on Bia. People are going to be watching highlight reels of that in 10 years time, you know. I guess moving on from that then, what kind of future goals would you have in terms of competition? I don't know if there's an MMA career on the cards. You see a lot of well-known jiu-jitsu guys going into MMA. If you're trying to win ACC a lot or what kind of goals do you have? I'm training MMA and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to have some fights <laughs> and see against like everything, like see how it goes. But I'm really excited for that because I really have been enjoying the training. Um, I love being a beginner again in the striking. It's, it's like, I think that's what's so good about jiu-jitsu. It's really taught me to love learning. Like I love learning now. Whereas I would have said, I wouldn't have said that when I was younger. Um, but now I just understand that I could, I, now I just feel like I could go to anything and I could learn. You know, I could take me longer than some people, but that's fine. I mean, like, you know, some people are slower at things than others and I would be slower academically, but like, I feel like I could just go and try and learn anything now, which is so cool. So like, I felt like that's really helped with learning uh, the striking. Obviously, it's not very fun getting punched, but it's not <laughs> as bad as I thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to have a few MMA fights and ADCC is still going to be the goal. I'll probably be doing way more no-gi competitions now. Still gi though. Best of luck with all the future competitions, with the future <laughs> MMA career with everything else and thanks a million for coming on I really enjoyed chatting to you today now oh, thank you <laughs> big thanks to Fionn for coming on the show it's rare to find someone that has as much humility and also as much raw competitiveness as Fionn so I know I'm really looking forward to seeing her step on the mats again and put on some more great performances as usual if you enjoy the podcast share it with your friends follow and subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes we'll be back next week with another great guest until then Slánaga Spánacht